Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we, we doing this or we... Yeah, that, I was about to say, what what specifically do we want to discuss here for football? Do we want to kind of do a pseudo preview of game one and then maybe just a larger look at the season as a whole or what? That would be my suggestion. Maybe okay. even the first two games because, I mean, Eastern Michigan, there's not much to say probably. Other than they had the perfect chance to become the emus when they had to change their mascot, but they picked the damn eagles instead. Disappointing. Yeah, they used to be the, they used to be the Hurons, right? Yeah, the for the Indian tribe that's right was in that area. So um, and there was some controversy a few years ago because the band under their flaps, uh, they have like their old lo- the old logo on there with like the Huron Indians. It's not visible to anyone unless taking the band uniforms members off. Who's gonna be paying for new band uniforms? That's what I'd be saying if I was them. Right, especially at Eastern Michigan. I would just be like, it's for the lake. Deal with it. Well, actually, it's a yeah. Huron River that goes through. Yeah, which dumps into Lake Erie, of all places. Not Lake Huron. Just got invited to a ninth birthday party. I'm going to have to decline. That doesn't Um, sound good at all. It's a good thing we know you have a kid. (laughs) I can't remember which comedian said it. It's like, it's one thing to say if you like children, but it's weird when you specify the age. Uh, So some friends of ours, they've got two little boys, and they always play really well with Dylan. And uh, the oldest turns nine in September, and the birthday party is the day we're doing our uh, Miami-Purdue double up here. So that's going to be a hell of a day. Hopefully I don't get another damn ticket going through northwest Ohio. You probably will. Just, you know. (laughs) Just be ready. I'm going to get to that stretch of 24, and I am parking the cruise control at the exact speed limit and going to be like, come at me, brah. At least get pulled over while you're driving 69 and a yeah. 65 because that would be worth it. Like, because then on the record, it would show that you were going 69 miles an hour. Yeah. And you have the mind of a 12 year old. So you would enjoy that. 
and with the way you pay tickets now, you'd probably get to keep the ticket, and you just pay it online, so you'd always have that ticket. Yeah, I do not miss that drive in Ohio. Oh, that stretch of highway is so nice, but they had, I swear there were five cops in the first eight miles of Ohio. Oh, and yeah. All they were doing was p- pulling everybody over. It's Ohio. <sighs> Where so drivers are, are like? more likely to be punished in Urban Meyer. <laughs> Again, this time it's picked up into one-on-one. Mahungu makes the catch and fights in for the Purdue touchdown. Welcome, welcome to the Hammer and Rails podcast, the first one of the 2018 football season. Yes, we are live tonight. We have a three-man pod tonight. First, this is myself, T. Mill, here in Indianapolis. Next, we also have Andrew Ledman coming to us from our nation's capital. Hey, now, I moved. I'm in Baltimore County now. Thank you. Oh, Baltimore County. Well, excuse me. That sounds like a downgrade. (laughs) Knowing Baltimore? Are are you okay? I'm in Baltimore County, not Baltimore City. There's a difference. So it's like staying in Kansas City, Kansas versus Kansas City, Missouri, you know. Exactly. It's the exact same. If Drew were here, although Drew lives in Manhattan, which is, you know, Manhattan, Kansas, which is just as exciting as Manhattan in New York. Ooh, shots fired at uh, any of our East Coast people. And that would be Juan Crespo no longer in the city of the woman with loose morals. He is fresh out of jail, California dreaming. Fresh out of jail. Well, I guess grad school could be considered jail, but yes, I am on the best coast, the West Coast. Are you serious? Oh my god! Oh my god! If this podcast gets pulled because you know we're playing music that we don't have the rights to, no, um, you can play. No, you're fine. You can play a few seconds of it. Yeah, I, that's why I stopped it. Actually, only like 10, 15 minutes from the Rose Bowl from my current apartment. So. That is fantastic. It's beautiful well, out there. When we're there this year, it'll be real easy for you to commute. Although, as I mentioned this on Twitter, I can guarantee you that Purdue, or maybe Michigan, because some of you know I have a Michigan degree as well, can guarantee you one of those two teams will go to the Rose Bowl this year because I am already scheduled to be out of town for the Rose Bowl. <laughs> I already had booked my flights for Christmas and try to get cheaper deals. And, of course, I decided to fly in January 4th and the Rose Bowl game's on January 1st. So... You're welcome. It's a sacrifice that I have made. <laughs> All right. Well, just so you know, if it is Purdue in the Rose Bowl, I will need a copy of your key. I will be a much cleaner house guest than Casey was, I'm sure. No comment. <laughs> I will plead the fifth on this. Fair enough. Moving on. So as many of you guys know, Thursday night is the season as opener. Many of you know, I hope everyone who's listening to this knows. <laughs> But yes, the season opener coming up, we have the Northwestern Wildcats coming to town, and <laughs> and uh, it looks like it's going to be quite the ball game. Purdue is officially a three-point favorite as of right now, which is a little bit stunning to me. Uh, I'm not sure if they think that Thorson is going not going to play or what with that line, but it certainly seems like uh, everything coming out of Northwestern's camp is that we will see Clayton Thorson there wonderful quarterback who tore his ACL in their bowl game. So just kind of your opening thoughts, gentlemen, what do you think is going to happen Thursday? If, if I had to just throw it out right now, I'd say Purdue's going to win, but it'll be close. I mean, I can't imagine saying the same thing a year ago, regardless of who we played in the first game. You know, it's just, it's pretty phenomenal how far we've come in a year. Uh, you know, I was looking at something from the Chicago Tribune just a few days ago. It looks like August 23rd. Um, these are 
observations from Northwestern's practice on Wednesday, and they talk about Clayton Thorson, which is kind of the big question mark for Northwestern coming in. And had, and it just says, if you watched Clayton Thorson go through drills, you'd say he had surgery seven and a half months ago, getting his right knee constructed. The quarterback looks sharp. Now, this is like the first we've really heard of him looking real good in practice. So I'm not sure I'm sold on how good he really looked. And you never know how much he's actually doing in practice. So both teams have quarterbacks that are coming off injuries. But Northwestern is notorious for starting slow under Fitzgerald. So I would go with us uh, in this one, but I think it's going to be real close. Yeah, I I tend to feel that way, too, because I know that they... Like you said, they tend to start really slow. Uh, last year, they, they kind of struggled with Nevada, and uh, Nevada finished 3-9. and nine, And let's also not forget that Nevada lost to Daryl Hazel, so you know they're not that good. I mean, is that bad? <laughs> yeah, but, but last year they were 2-3, and three, and then they ripped off seven in a row to finish the year. Uh, two years ago, they lost to Western Michigan by a point, and then Illinois State. Uh, by two points, they lost a 9-7 game to Brock Specs, Illinois State. So that's an FCS loss. Then two years ago, they managed to beat a really good Stanford team on this in the season opener, 16 to six. So it's really hard to say what you're going to get with this team. Like you said, they've got they're just kind of all over the map when they start under Fitz. But this is this is a team that won 10 games a year ago, and you, you can't take that away either. That's that's impressive. I mean, we have one 10-win season in our history, and they have two 10-win seasons in the last three years. Juan, what do you think? I think it's honestly just going to be a toss-up, and I think the favor kind of goes to Purdue here just because it is a home game. And also, as you mentioned, Northwestern does have that tendency to start out the year slow. I mean, I've just been looking back at what they've done. It seems like how the worse they start the year, they tend to, like, if they start the season bad, they're most likely going to finish it well. Like, I think the two times that they started the year well um, was in 2015. They started out undefeated before losing to Michigan, and then they lost 45-6 to to Tennessee in the Outback Bowl. Ooh. And then 2013, they also started undefeated, got up to number 16 before getting stomped by Ohio State 40-30. So, you know, which Northwestern team are we going to see? Um, I think it really does depend, as you guys mentioned, if Clayton Thorson does play. I would also speculate that he probably is going to be the starter for Northwestern this weekend. Or not this weekend, Thursday. It's weird to say that for Purdue football. You know, we're even talking, as Ledman said, that we're coming into the first game of the season against not just the P5 team, but another Big Ten team and saying that Purdue has a chance to win such a huge improvement after these last few years. And I think that another factor is is we're going to have – I think it's going to be a really good crowd on Thursday night too. I mean, it's going to be tri- – it's always tricky when you have these weeknight openers. and But last year on the Friday night game against Ohio, there was a really, really good crowd. So it's tough to say um, what, it, what it's going to be the effect, but I'd imagine there's quite a few people that just did the, you know what, screw it. I'm going to take the Friday off and uh, make it a four-day weekend since it's a holiday weekend. And yeah. head on what I will for- what I will say is this, is that that Ohio opener, like there was only, according to the official record, it was only about 45,000 people. Like the noon game against Illinois had more. However, I would assume that the 40 or so thousand people are there are probably going to be a bit more amped up yeah. than a 56,000 person crowd in a noon game. So 
hopefully we have a bit quality over quantity in this case. I'm not yeah. expecting a huge crowd just because it is that awkward Thursday night and most of the fans are having to come from the Indy or Chicago areas as well. Yeah, the good thing the good thing about the Thursday night game, I mean, it, like you said, Juan, I mean, it's just so weird to have Purdue playing on a Thursday just in general. But, I mean, it is that 8 p.m. start. So, like you said, a lot of the fans are going to be coming from Indianapolis, maybe even Chicago. But, you know, if you're coming from Indy, you're going to be able to leave, you know, say you leave around five, even Indy traffic, you're going to be able to get there in plenty of time. That's that's not so much what I'm worried about. I am worried about, like you said, of the folks who are going to have to work the next day. You're going to wonder, are they taking a day off? Are they going to be leaving in the third quarter, fourth quarter to try to get home in time? That That's what I worry about, if the energy is going to dip as the game goes on. Yeah, and looking at uh, what's available on Purdue's site, still seems like there's plenty of... Uh empty rows in the north end zone as well as in areas near northwestern's visiting section is almost completely empty so you know we'll see how it fills up maybe purdue throws in a special promotion in these next few days to fill up some of these seats but i'm sure they will yeah i'm gonna put my money on about forty-five thousand. and i think that's about what we averaged last year too you know i'd like to see us get to 50 for I'm, i'm thinking we'll get to 50 yeah, that is the trickiest part, though, is that it is a Thursday, and uh, you know it, it, that's just a factor that people have to consider for the next day of having to work. It's like I've got to work the next day, but you know what? Screw it, I'm going. Yeah. So I mean, I mean to be fair, you don't really work, Travis. You've right. mentioned this many times. Yeah, this is true. It's so, just very true. For those of uh, our listeners who haven't really followed the offseason, who don't know what Northwestern has coming back. Travis, I know you wrote a you wrote your previews all throughout the summer. Can you give us a little rundown of what to look forward to from Northwestern? I mean, I know they beat us by 10 last year. They were ranked 17th when we played them. Um, but what do they have returning, and what can you tell us about them that, that we need to look out for on Thursday? Well, really, their biggest loss was uh, they lost Justin Jackson. He was a 5,000-yard rusher over course of his career and uh you don't replace a guy like that easily yeah he he was basically the focal point of the offense but Purdue did relatively well against him I know last year kind of what got away from us is the offense got a little bit stagnated and we had to dig our way out of a 20 to nothing deficit and we still made it a bit of a game there in the fourth quarter um I know we struggled with Thorson Uh, he had a rushing touchdown and he had a passing touchdown he had almost 300 yards passing with no interceptions uh but we held we held Jackson to 46 yards rushing so I think that that's a positive sign. We made Thorson beat us through the air, and he was able to do so. And he, he's got most of his top receivers back. They've got uh, Bennett Skelronic, Skelronic, I think that's how it's said, and uh, Flynn Nagel. Uh, those guys had about 1,100 yards receiving with them. Uh, combined amongst them. And Thorson himself was one of the better passers in the whole Big Ten. So he he finished with 2,800 yards passing and 15 TDs, but he had 12 interceptions too. So, you know, as, as good, as much as they're relying on him, he wasn't like, oh my God, a uh, mad bomber throwing 40 touchdowns against five interceptions or anything. Yeah, that's that's kind of been my my issue as I read all these previews as I look at people talking about the game coming up. I mean, of course, if you're Northwestern, you always want to have your number one guy out there starting. And for them, I mean, there's little doubt that that's Clayton Thorson, but to to me he's not like a Heisman contender. I mean, he's not he's not a guy who I would look at 
to say, I'm building a franchise. Give me Clayton Thorson, you know? I mean, he's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's he's by any means the best quarterback we're going to face this year or, you know, one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. I don't I don't understand all the hype. I mean, he's, he's certainly good, but he's not this world beater that I think a lot of the previews I've read have made him out to be. No, he, he was 26 of 46 against us, and half of his passes went to Skoranek and Nagel for about 190 yards and a touchdown. So it's going to be critical, and we've got a couple of uh, inexperienced cornerbacks. It sounds like we're going to go with Antonio Blackman and Tim Kaysen, but we got a couple of freshmen coming off the red shirt that are, if they don't play uh, most of the snaps, they will play at least. So that's kind of my cons- biggest concern is we're going to have a very young defense. But at the same time, I'm going to trust Nick Holt because look what he did last year. I mean, our defense was terrible before he got there and uh, they he was able to pull off a near miracle. So uh, I'm just going to you know throw caution in the wind and follow and trust him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what you have to do. I mean, like you said, the the way he turned that defense around from 2016 to 2017 was just phenomenal. I mean, that was basically the same defense, you know, mm-hmm. personnel-wise. Um, of course, there's always turnover, but, I mean, just the change from 2016 to 2017 in the run game alone, I mean, was was unheard of and unparalleled as, as far as I can see. While we may not have some of those linebackers um, that we had last year, of course, we lost those to graduation like Bentley I think given what he's got around him and his scheming he can he can still get us to where we need to be but my hope is that the offense is further along this year than they were at the beginning of last year and I hope that'll make the difference in these first uh first couple games I I, I agree with you there and I I think uh, we've got some really good receivers. I'm excited with what we've got. While we may not have a ton of experience, I think we're really deep there. And my goodness, I am. I am really excited to see Rondale Moore. Yeah, I mean, to me, he should be or could be. I sh- I, I'm going to lower my expectations because he's not yet stepped on the field for a college snap. But he could be, you know, the likes of Dorian Bryant. I mean, that's what everybody compares him to. He's the quick shifty receiver who can go over the middle he can he can get open in space he can make people miss and dorian bryant doesn't get the credit he deserves as far as great football players in purdue history you know he got knocked a lot people called him soft because he went out of bounds but i mean if you remember after after he graduated it came out that he played his senior season with a hernia didn't miss a game if i'm remembering correctly but but he was out there um, as our leading receiver. And that guy was tough. And if Rondell Moore can be even half the player that Dorian Bryant was, I'll be thrilled. So I'm excited to see him too. But like I said, I'm trying to temper my enthusiasm before I actually, until I actually see him play a snap uh, in a college game. And Bryant actually finished comfortably as our all-time total yardage leader when you throw in kickoff returns and everything else. Oh, I mean, he, he was ahead by like a thousand yards of anybody else. And that that's absurd, really. And I mean, think back to when he played. I mean, you covered him at that time, right? Were you, was the side alive at that time? I don't remember. Yeah, I think right around the end of his tenure, because I started it in 2006. So okay, I think, but I mean, yeah. I mean, no one gave him the credit that he deserved, either at Purdue or league-wide. I, I don't know exactly why that was, but... Um, I hope Rondale Moore, if he does live up to that, um, does get more um, more gratitude from the fans because I feel like Brian never really got that, which is unfortunate. Right. I mean, he he was damn good too. Yeah, he was fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. So anybody else got anything on the Northwestern game? I mean, I know that's not a ton, but it's one of those, it's the first game of the season. You never know what you're getting, especially with a Big Ten opponent. It just makes it that much more difficult to kind of predict. And we and we don't know what we're going to see either because that I saw that where Brom has informed the uh, – quarterbacks of who's going to start but we won't know until thursday night so okay let's let's make our predictions juan who's going to start i think cindelar is going to start similar to how like last year cindelar will come in to start and then blau will come in second quarter or so so i'm gonna stick with that i i think it's gonna be cindelar because he finished last year so strong i tend to think that he's gonna be in there unless we need a spark or something if he if the offense is humming with him he's gonna stay with him and i think it's gonna be a lot like last year at missouri where blau just had three fantastic drives then things got a little stuck so we sent in cindelar for a little bit so um i I think that's what we're gonna see over the course of the whole year is they're not uh, brahm's not gonna be afraid to send in a guy for a series or two just to shake things up but if there's a hot hand he's gonna ride him it's not gonna be a situation like 2012 when robert marv has a dynamite second quarter and it's like well turbush was supposed to play the third quarter so hell he's gonna play the third quarter damn it god that rotation was some of the dumbest coaching i've ever seen yes but i think i'm gonna make it unanimous and also say i think sindelar is gonna start and i agree with both of you that Brom handles this rotation so much better uh, than Danny Hope could ever dream of. You know, he doesn't take a quarterback out when he's playing hot. You know, he takes him out when the offense struggles or looks stagnant, which is if you have two quarterbacks and you're going to play both quarterbacks, that's how you're supposed to do it. You're not supposed to take the hot hand out of the game. Um, I can't even I can't even remember all the times when Robert Marv was playing well, but Danny Hope took him out because, like you said, Travis, it's like, well, on my sheet, Turbush is supposed to be in the third quarter, so I I have to take you out, Robert. That's so ridiculous. Yeah, I still remember the first game in 2012. I think it was in Eastern Kentucky, and Turbush had to sit out because personal issues or couldn't pass a class or something. And Marv played the whole game, and he played well. And then I remember listening to Danny Hope's radio show on the way home from Labor Day, and uh, he was they're asking, "So who are you going to start?" And he's like, "Well, Marv had a good game, but we're going to start Turbush." I'm like, <laughs> I almost crashed my car. At the distance, he's like, "You got to be kidding me, Danny." Like, I know we've learned uh, like how Burke kind of screwed over Danny Hope in some ways during his tenureship, but Hope made some questionable coaching decisions as well. Oh. Yeah. So uh, we're not going to have a chance to pod since it's going to be Labor Day weekend and we're all going to be out and about. Let's take a quick look uh, while we're here at Eastern Michigan, our week two opponent. Juan's probably the one that has the most familiarity living relatively close to Ypsilanti or is it Ypsilanti? Ypsilanti. Like I got crap for calling it Ypsilanti. It's Ypsilanti. Um, I've only been to one of their games and this was in 2016, um, the year that they went to a bowl game. So a uh, lot has changed. So I really don't know too much about the emus. Or didn't they beat Rutgers last year? And that was their first time being a Big Ten team. Yes, uh, they they did beat a Big Ten team last season. And they did it at Rutgers, which is something that we couldn't do. As frustrating as that was. I want to clarify for all of our Eastern Michigan listeners. We all three know, of them. We, yeah. We know you're not actually the emus. They should you're the, be. You're we the never, mighty Hurons. No, they're not that either. Damn it, white man. <laughs> well, uh, historically, this is the third time that we have played them. We beat them 49-3 to in 1991. And 
Danny Hope in his final season beat them 54 to 16. So we've outscored them 103 to 19. I, I don't think we're going to have that. Uh, they were a respectable team last season. And like you said, Juan, they actually made a bowl a few game, years ago. But I know many times they are one of the worst FBS teams out there. Last year, they struggled big time in close games. I think they had like three overtime losses. I'm looking at I'm looking at their uh, record here, their schedule from last year. They had 27-20 loss to the same Ohio team that we beat. Uh, 24-20 loss to Kentucky. 20-15 loss to Toledo. 28-27 loss at Army. 20-17. 30-27. So they were just, they weren't good in close games. And they, they were a step away from a pretty special season. I know, you know, we play them week two. So I wanted to look at their their week one opponent to see how they're going to come in. And, you know, they're playing a powerhouse week one. They play Monmouth. So, I mean, they're probably going to be pretty beat up because Monmouth is notoriously dirty. Um, you know, they got those big uglies, uglies up front. I'm, I have no idea. I've, I've never seen Monmouth play in my life. I, I didn't even know Monmouth had a football team. So. I didn't either, actually. I don't know. Are they uh, FCS? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, they gotta be. But I still remember going to that one emu game in 2016. They had already become bowl eligible at that point. I remember they were taking the field and the announcer said, and here comes your bowl eligible Eastern Michigan Eagles. At first I laughed for a second and then I remember we were still coached by Daryl Hazel at the time. We're fitting your right to laugh. Yes. I I just like put my head down like, damn it. So that week one game, Monmouth versus Eastern Michigan is the Hawks versus the Eagles. We finally get to see who is the superior bird. Oh, yes, definitely. That reminds me, when I did go to that game, they actually had an eagle fly around the stadium for the national anthem. And the the eagle refused to land for a while. So the band had to hold the last note of the national anthem until the eagle finally landed. So I say we need a, we need a return trip to Ypsilanti just so we can see this eagle. Or they could bring the eagle to West Lafayette. Weren't you the one that told me no one goes to Ypsilanti voluntarily? Uh, no one goes to the Eastern Michigan games voluntarily. Oh, okay. I, Ypsilanti I, has, got, is, has a nice like downtown area, actually. It's, it's gotten quite a bit better over the years. And its water uh, tower is very happy to see you. The, oh, yes. I've because it looks like a penis. Magical things of their water tower. We're all assuming that's going to be a win, though. I mean, right? Yes, it I, should be a win. Yes. I mean, Eastern Michigan has improved under their new head coach, uh, Chris Creighton. Oh, dang. I was hoping I'd stuff you, stump you there. I may or may not have the Wikipedia page up in front of me. Oh, right okay, now. well, that's cheating. Well, here, here you go. He um, is trying to renew the one of our oldest rivalry series because he's the former head coach at Wabash College, the Little Giants. And, of course, we had quite the rivalry back at the turn of the century with Wabash. But Everyone knows Rick Moranis was the head coach of the Little Giants. <laughs> Don't do this revisionist history on me. Well, I, anything that we could do to beat Wabash, I, I'm all for it. Screw Wabash. I'm tired of them uh, invading our bars and trying to take our women like they did when I was a student because they would always try to take over the neon cactus. And I'm like, go back to Crawfordsville. This is our place. If you lost a woman to a Wabash man, she wasn't right for you. <laughs> and also, you need to step up your own game if you're losing to someone from Wabash. This is true. I mean, but I always support DePa in the Monon Bell game just because of that. They were very annoying back in the day. 
Well, I've never met anyone who went to Wabash, so I can't, you know, compare to this. I don't know how you're interacting with these kind of people. But then again, you always talked about going to the cactus on Friday nights, so I could understand. <laughs> I went I went Thursdays and Fridays usually. At least my final year I went Thursdays and Fridays. Oh well, that man. explains a lot. Yeah. Well they they retired my jersey. It's hanging from the rafters, so mm, I don't I don't think they do that. <laughs> Are you sure you went to the cactus or like the back alley with with a cactus? Wow. <laughs> but yeah, uh, going back to the actual game, uh, I am definitely uh, expecting a win there. Be- mostly because Brom has proven that he can actually beat Mac teams like a Big Ten team should. And we need to keep that going because it was so frustrating under Hazel that not only did we lose to Mac teams, we got blown out by Mac teams. Well, but you know, once he reviews the tape, he'll figure out what's going on. And the next time we play that Mac team, we should be just fine. Yeah. Well, the, the only Mac team that he beat was, uh, the boat rowers up at Western Michigan. So I still maintain that Hazel is actually a good coach, but he was purposely bad in order to get revenge for Jim Trestle. But that's a podcast for another time. <laughs> so that, that ends our uh, discussion of Eastern Michigan. We're expecting a win there. Um, what are you guys thinking for the whole season? I know that we've gone over our roundtable here in the last couple of days where we've kind of picked an offensive and a defensive MVP and kind of a final record. Uh, I, I went all in. I'm going nine and three. I, I, like I believe in Holt. I believe that the offense is going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun in year two. And we've got a really strong offensive line. And I'm, I'm excited. I, th- I think that we can once again surprise people. I like that optimistic Travis is back. <laughs> I've missed him. He's a good guy. I like hearing nine and three from Travis rather than, well, you know, we might be able to get four and eight. You know, I will be happy if we wind up at six and six. I think our schedule is fairly brutal. Ohio State, Michigan State, Iowa, they're always hit and miss, but Kirk Ferentz always has them there. Wisconsin, Nebraska, I mean, none of those are going to be easy games, and and that's five games right there. So, And even this Northwestern game, it's not going to be easy. So uh, it's going to be a tough season. There's a lot of tough games on the schedule, but um, like Travis, I mean, I really like this coaching staff. I think they get the most out of their players. Um, I think we've got a lot of good young guys on the team. It's just a matter of how ready are they for prime time because they're going to be asked to step in and fill big roles of people who left, especially at linebacker, especially at defensive line and wide receiver. I mean, you know, we didn't exactly have the best receivers in the game last year, but toward the end of the year, Mahungu, you know, he was really playing at a high level, especially in that bowl game with that game winning touchdown. So somebody has got to come in and um, take take that role and make up some of that production. So if we can fill those holes, I think we can have a good season. But, you know, I mentioned three positions right there, and that's difficult to fill in just one recruiting class, let alone a recruiting class and, you know, some some people coming in from redshirt. So I hope there's a lot of improvement in those positions and we can really surprise some people. But like I said, six and six is what I'm hoping for. I think it's going to be interesting because I, I love having the non-conference games against Missouri and Boston College. I think that's going to say a lot about how well we do and we've got a real chance here to start strong with the four home games and it's like i can see an argument for losing individually to northwestern missouri or boston college but none of those games are like the oh my god it's going to be a major upset if we win them you know if we if we pull this off thursday night against northwestern i think that's going to
going to be a huge boost. Then you get Eastern Michigan, a team that you should be able to beat. I'm I'm liking Missouri after last year. I think I think that game doesn't get a lot of attention for Purdue fans, but that's really one of the uh, that's kind of what got everybody believing is we went out there and just we whooped their ass. I mean, it was it was so much fun that we went somewhere and kicked a team's ass. I mean, when's the last time you could say that? Really, I'm gonna agree with you, Lemming. I'm gonna say six and six is borderline like realistic to optimistic zone I, it really does help that the first four games are at home especially when you're considering teams like northwestern and boston college that you know boston college is already receiving votes in the preseason polls um and then again northwestern as we discussed that's easily a toss-up game that could flip into Purdue's favor just because it is a home game but again it's that tough slate when it comes to the big 10 schedule because we do get ohio state and michigan state uh as part of our eastern teams but i will say if purdue is able to beat wisconsin Brom may need a statue because beating Wisconsin would be burying a hatchet that's been a, in a thorn in Purdue's side since 2004. They officially have the longest winning streak of any single team on over us ever. Excluding Rutgers and Maryland, Purdue has beaten every Big Ten team since the last time they beat Wisconsin in 2003. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, it was only once against Michigan State and once against Penn State, but still, they've beaten everyone else except Wisconsin. So I think... Beating Wisconsin is going to be the huge hurdle for Brom. We may not discuss it, but I think, you know, just for Purdue fans in general, like beating Wisconsin could be like, we're finally putting the end of the Tiller years in the past and creating our own new future. And God forbid me saying this, building up one brick higher. No, I'm not going to say that. No, Um, don't. Damn it. That was such a good that was such a good model that was ruined by Hazel. That's another thing that he did. We can take it back. Yes. I still like it. Build many bricks at a time. How about that? Multiple bricks higher. Nine I, bricks higher, I think, is what the build tower ended up being, but still. One brick higher is better than the furnace. Yeah, the furnace was a terrible name. Well, obviously you refer to the visitors' locker room. And on that note, uh before we go, I got one question. For everybody, make one wild prediction about the season. We are going to pull one upset uh, of either Ohio State, Michigan State, or Wisconsin. We're getting one of those. I'm with Juan. I'd love it to be Wisconsin. And there is some potential there that even if we lose to Ohio State and Michigan State, uh, it could still be for the West, depending on what Wisconsin does in their other games. And that would give us the tiebreaker. I would love for it to be. I would love another Purdue Harbor just to take a big dump right in Ohio State season after everything that they've done in this offseason. You know what? Screw them. Uh, Let's ruin their season. And uh, I know that they many of their fans are bizarrely yeah i wouldn't say afraid they're just you know they they eye us warily under the okay this has happened before in west lafayette and and uh we you know we've performed better than them this century than michigan has so why not add to that mystique and just dump truck their season right in the middle of it juan you got one my bold prediction is that we go into the ohio state game six and oh Oh, Ooh, I like that is my boldest prediction that I will offer, because let's just say you win. We win those first four games at home. Go to Nebraska, you know, ruin Scott Frost's uh, honeymoon season for Nebraska. And then we have an offseason, then followed by Illinois. It's possible. I mean, 
I would put the chances at less than 50%, but it could happen. That would likely have us ranked for the first time in 11 years. But the last time we were ranked was just before we went to an Ohio State game undefeated at home. So let's maybe there's some superstition there. Yeah, I, I would take it, though. I mean, why not be ranked? Let's, you know, enjoy it. And also, on your note of us beating Ohio State, only one other Big Ten team has more wins against Ohio State in this millennia than Purdue, and that is Wisconsin. That Everyone was... else is either tied with us at three games or below us. Well, if you count 2000, we have four wins this millennium. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's... I miscounted there for a second. Yeah, we got to remember that one. Right. And I know we've had a couple of close calls in Columbus, too, but we haven't won there in 30 years. So. Right. Well, then there was also Holy Buckeye in 2002 as well. Oh, yeah. That was great. Uh, that was so much fun being there for that. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. There's a Wikipedia page on it. Oh, geez. I'm not kidding. So my prediction isn't really as crazy as 6-0. and The only thing I was going to say is... Based on how terrible our punt return team was last year, I was going to predict that we return two punts for touchdowns this year. Oh, I like. I, I can't remember the last time that we did that. I can't either. I feel like our special teams can continue to improve. I know we lost our coach to a Chick-fil-A, but uh, you know we, we hired someone who knows what he's doing, and if they truly do put Rondale Moore back there, I think he could be a weapon that could actually be of some use to us. So that was going to be mine. But now I feel like a chicken after Juan said we were going to start 6-0. and Hey, uh, go that, bold or go home. Yeah, that, I mean, that's fine. I mean, that is also a bold prediction because, I mean, yeah, like you said, last year we had Jackson Anthem back there yeah, receiving yeah. punts. And nothing against him, but, you know, I don't blame him for fair catching it every time. Yeah, I mean, what did we average, like three or four yards per return? Oh, if we averaged that much, I'd be shocked. It was I a bit. I know that. It, it was basically a fair catch every time. I know, uh, but yeah, it's I, I like I like Juan going for the six and zero start. That'd be incredible, and like like you said, we'd, we'd be building statues for Brom then. No, statues for Brom comes after a Wisconsin win, oh, not okay. after a six and zero start. You know, you got to beat Wisconsin. Hey, well, I, I'd take the six and zero start to be honest, because then you're looking at you're probably looking at nine wins there in just the regular season and. You get your bowl game, that's 10, maybe. Mm -hmm. And we haven't had a 10-win season since 1979. All right, let's slow down here for a second. <laughs> Even Illinois had started 6-0 at one point. Yeah, then went 0-6 in the other half. So there you go, Vaughn. You get your 6-6 six, you uh, six six that season. The good old Zucker. So uh, let's go around for any final thoughts. Uh, what's your final thought, Ledman? My final thought is just this. I'm actually excited about football. Um, I've been excited for for a few weeks, and I'm really looking forward to Thursday. And that's not something I've said, you know, and meant for a few years. I've always, you know, you're always excited to a degree when football comes back and your your team's ready to go. But it's always been kind of half-hearted these last few years because you know you're gonna get ready, you're gonna sit down, you're gonna watch Purdue, and then all of a sudden you're just gonna be disappointed. And I don't feel that way anymore. And it's amazing what a year can do. So. I'm excited to actually watch some games and enjoy the ride this year, unlike years past. It's definitely better than the horror show when we went out to D.C. and we went to the Maryland game with you. Oh, that I, was awful. I, I was very glad that Maryland sold beer in the stadium. Oh, and I, I got your punt return stat here. We averaged 3.4 yards per return last I, season. I knew I was close. Jackson Anthrop had... 30 yards on 17 attempts for a 1.8 oh average. To tell you how bad it was, Garrett Hudson and Race Johnson 
had 32 yards worth of returns of blocked punts combined. Well, there you go. Hudson had 14 yards. Race Johnson had 18 before he blew his hamstring on what would have been a touchdown, on, honestly, yeah, at Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised that Anthrop had 30 yards. All season. Yeah, yeah, our our longest punt return, or Anthrop's longest was seven. Our longest punt return of the season was on a play where the guy pretty much blew out his hamstring for the year. All right. So yeah, we had we had forty four total return punt return yards. Am I reading that right? Six uh, sixty two. We had thirty from Anthrop, fourteen from Hudson, eighteen from Johnson. This one I'm looking at doesn't have Johnson on there. Uh, it, it's weird because. They don't count him as having a punt return, but he's credited with 18 yards for the uh, because he picked up a block. So, okay, it's strange. Either way, terrible. So, two punt return touchdowns. That's my prediction this year. So that w- that would definitely help the six and zero start. Uh, Juan, you have any final thoughts? No, nothing too different other than what Ledman said. I mean, it's to the point that we have enough positivity around football that we can actually do like separate football podcasts because we're not too sad to talk about football you know when we started all this like whenever we talked about football it'd be in september and be like well let's just talk about the basketball season that's coming up in two months yeah we don't need any depression right now we're all in let's be happy uh i i guess my final thought is very much in line with you guys it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun going up to lafayette on thursday night um it's going to be a long day at work on thursday just kind of counting down the hours and then you know, I'm expecting a nice night, great weather, the sun setting in the west. We'll be under the lights, which is, I mean, we're going to be the premier game, the big game of the night, really, in the country. Because we're playing Northwestern, all the eyes in the nation are going to be on us, and it's going to be fun. Regard- win or lose, but I really think the crowd's going to show up, and I think it's going to be a major boost. And we're going to start this season off right, because... Like you guys said, there's actual positivity towards Purdue football for the first time in ages. And and it's just great to see. I mean, we had some of this really, we had a little bit of this in Danny Hope's first season. And I remember even the loss at Oregon, there was a lot of positivity uh, after that just because of the, oh, hey, we went out to Oregon and, and played them played them close and then it kind of fizzled out after that but this this is different i mean we finished last season with three straight wins we got the bucket back we won the bowl game and it's just it's it's fun again and i i can't overstate how fun it is so with that in mind uh we do appreciate you guys for listening we're going to try and make these pretty regular podcasts and if you have a better name for other than the purdue football podcast let us know in the comments and everything uh i know we we, uh kind of have the hammer and rails podcast network officially with the two episodes of the let's get weird that we've done with paul banks of the sports bank we're going to try and make these football ones a little bit more regular on sunday nights like i said we probably won't have one after the first game but after the eastern michigan game and going forward we'll try to do our best to get these out and uh pretty regular so and now and now that um you know i'm done with working on my phd and all that stuff i actually have time to edit all these and also another reason why uh changing this up is because casey was handling all of it and he kind of lost count with the episode numbers i think we jumped from 35 to an episode with no number then up to 36 and then up to episode 44 so maybe it's just time to rebrand 
<laughs> but yes, for the next two ones, we'll probably call these the Hammer and Rails football podcast. But after that, if you guys give us submissions, we'll run a poll in the next podcast and we'll start using it from there. And then that way, too, we can have a dedicated football podcast and a dedicated basketball podcast as well. Anyway, and we'll try to get Casey and Drew in here, too. Uh, I know they've been busy. I believe Casey has a new girlfriend, so he's kind of fallen off the map. Drew is, um, I don't know. I mean, is he homeless now or what? I mean, he's. I don't even know what he does, man. He's, he's, running the, he's running the big city of Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah, there we go. And dealing with random animals every now and then because his wife's a vet. Oh, there we go. So for uh, Juan, for Ledman, uh, this is T-Mill saying boiler up and let's start this season on a positive note. Thursday night against the Northwestern Wildcats. Boiler up. Boiler up.